this evening. We thank you for all these people that you have brought to this house tonight. Father, I thank you that as your word goes forth, it's going to perform everything you have proclaimed in it. Father, it's not going to return void. It's going to uh, perform that which you have called it to do. It's going to accomplish the very thing it's sent out to do. Father, tonight we thank you that as we uh, continue our study on our words, in your words, Father, I thank you that we will receive them, not as the words of man, but the words of God. We thank you that they're powerful, that we'll receive life tonight, we'll receive peace by your spirit. Father, I thank you that you're speaking through me, you're using me as your vessel to speak the words of God tonight. I thank you that we will walk out of here changed, different than the way that we came in, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. We're talking about uh, words. We're talking about our confession. We're talking about a lifestyle of confession. And in this series, we're talking about watch your mouth. Anyone ever heard, anyone been told that before? Maybe as a child, hey, watch your mouth. Everyone, anyone ever had to tell somebody, watch your mouth? Well, I'm, we're talking about watch your mouth. And uh, so last week, we broke, it, we broke open that your words are powerful. And we are beginning to look at this, uh, this fact, beginning to look at this entity of our confession. And what are we saying on a regular basis? We said this last week, that your words make the soundtrack of your life. And we talked a little bit about how music creates an environment, and music brings an expectation. I gave you an example of, you know, if you're watching a movie, and uh, sometimes you have an idea of what's getting ready to happen just based upon the music that's being played. And if you took the same scene and changed the music, you could actually change your expectation. If you got a, a, a young girl and she's just walking down the sidewalk and, uh, you know, she's just walking along and, uh, you know, it, you got some nice music, some nice uppity music going on. I mean, she could be going to grandma's house. She could be celebrating her birthday, getting ready to meet friends at a, at a local restaurant. But if you change the music, just change the music to something that's a little down, something that's you know doesn't really create that that type of vibe, something that uh, might, maybe has like an eerie sound to it. Just by changing the music, we didn't change the girl, we didn't change the scene, we didn't change the what side of town she was on, we didn't change the time of day. All we did was change the music, and now you have a different different expectation. Now you're beginning to look around and see what's about to pop out the around the corner that's getting ready to try to take her out, right? Just simply because we change the sound of something. And we analyze that in life, everything that you see, you first hear it before you see it. You know, you can be standing outside and there'll be a plane in the sky and you'll be looking up. You won't see nothing for a little while, but you'll be hearing it. That train, you may not see that train immediately, but you can hear it before it shows up. Well, God operates the same way. He operates the same way, and everything in his word has a sound to it. And when you change the sound, you change the expectation. And so many of us are living our lives, and we have an expectation about what's about to take place because of what we've been saying the entire time about it. And if we can change what we say about something, we can change what actually takes place in our lives. We talked about last week that the Word is a seed, the Word of God. And when that seed is planted, 
then it will take root and it will now bear fruit in our mouth. If, if you are, if you listen to yourself and man, if we just took a recorder and listened to ourselves for just one day, just listen to all the things that we say, all the little, just about any little thing. Man, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to pay this. I'm never going to get rid of this headache. I mean, we, we, we say things all the time and we don't even think about it. But let me tell you something. You are never just saying something. Let me just go ahead and put that out there. God did not form the earth and create the earth until he spoke it into existence. Now, God, down in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, creates man in his image, which means your words contain the same creative power that his words do. We're created in the same likeness, the same image. He's given our words that same power. So when you say something, they don't just go out there and, oh, I didn't mean that. You know it's hard to retract your words. You know it's hard to not say something. Because the second you put something out there, it's creating something. And it's making something happen in your life. And so how do we get the word of God to come out of our mouth? By planting the word into our spirit. Into our spirit, man. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Not out of the abundance of your brain. Not out of the abundance of your ears. The abundance of your heart. So we have to plant something if that's what we want to get to come out. Now we get into situations and we begin to look at the negative more than we do the positive, And then we wonder why we can't say anything good about it. Then we wonder why we don't see anything. Because you plant the word into your heart, then you begin to speak the word, and then the word will change your situation. And so we've got to understand the, the, the idea of our confession. We have to understand the idea of our words because they're more powerful than we've been leading on to. And I want to show you that everything that comes out of your mouth, it can and will happen in your life, which gives us a greater a greater responsibility to control our mouth. We saw that James, he said, there's no believer, there's no citizen of the kingdom of God, there's no spiritual person that uh, should be operating with no self-control over their mouth. We should be people that have self-control over what comes out of our mouth and learn to say the right thing instead of the wrong thing. But as we learned last week, you're only going to say the right thing if you put the right thing in. Period. That's where it starts. So I want to talk to you tonight about talking yourself out of it. Talking yourself out of it. Uh, when you read the Bible, especially in the New Testament, you'll find that through Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and uh, a lot of those uh, letters that Paul wrote to the churches, uh, you'll find that uh, he says a lot of stuff about believers and citizens of the kingdom that on the outside just doesn't seem to be true. You've been blessed with all, uh, all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And you want to read that and you want to think, man, Paul doesn't know my situation. He doesn't know what I got going on. He doesn't know the mortgage I got to pay. He doesn't know, the, he doesn't know I just lost my job. He doesn't know this. And, and, and we read through the word. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you're thinking, 
man, if he, he wasn't with me last night, you don't know what was going on. What am I saying? Paul, through, or God through Paul, was writing things about us that are true on the inside. But now is our responsibility to live it out on the outside. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's writing to the inside of you. So as you go through God's word, you'll find things that don't seem like they're quite true to your current situation. But God always speaks about what cannot be seen because he wants us to make it seen. God wants us to live by faith. Faith is how we live. Paul said the just shall live by faith. That means that you make your living by living by faith. Faith is the ultimate. We are to be living in what we cannot see. So God will speak things over your life that maybe in your current state and current situation don't seem to be true, don't seem to be uh, uh, lining up correctly with what you're currently going through. Well, we're going to look at a situation here today in Numbers chapter 13, and we're really going to just camp on this story because this is one of the most tragic stories in all of the Bible, in my opinion. Numbers chapter 13. And I want to set it up for you. We have the children of Israel, the Israelites, God's nation, God's people. They have just come out of Egypt, crossed over the Red Sea. God has been giving them a a fire by night, been giving them a cloud by day to lead them and guide them. He's been giving them water out of a rock. He's been giving, he's been bringing birds to drop uh, dinner to them. And they've got manna showing up on the ground in the morning. I mean, God has done all kinds of Uh, performances, miracles, signs, and wonders for these people. But it's all about trying to get somewhere, not stay where they're currently at. God is trying to move them to something that that they do not currently see. Because thousands of years before Moses even showed up on the planet, God made a promise to a man named Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Now, he picked a guy that was not a candidate. He picked a guy that did not qualify to be a father of many nations. This man didn't even qualify to be a father, period. So God is already picking something. What is he doing? He's setting precedent. Everything I'm going to do, I'm going to pick something that looks contrary to my word because my word's going to perform. My word is going to make something happen. So he picks a man named Abraham who can't even have children and is beyond childbearing years, 75 years old. And he says, what? I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Your descendants are going to be like the sands on the sea, the stars in the sky. And I'm going to bring you into a land that I will show you. Now, funny thing is, it didn't happen the next day. Funny thing is, is, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, didn't get pregnant that day. In fact, they didn't get pregnant within the year. They didn't get pregnant within 10 years or 20 years. It was 25 years later. Abraham is now 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 90. And they get pregnant with one child. All that God needs is one. All that God needs is one person to live by faith. 
one person that will take him at his word, believe him at his word. And Abraham did just that. 25 years later, they have a son named Isaac. Isaac has a couple sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob has 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel, and so on and so forth. They end up, this nation of God, God's people, the Israelites, end up in slavery. Now we're seeing God's plan that was beginning to progress. Now it has stalled and is even moving backwards. Now they're in slavery to an entirely different nation. And nowhere near Canaan. But God shows himself, picks a man named Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. Now they're in the wilderness. Chasing after a land that God had promised a man thousands of years before. And this is where we pick up. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Now look at that right there. I mean, if you need any more confidence, uh, he's not saying, uh, you know, let's go into this land that I'm thinking about giving. Uh, let's go into this land that I want to give you. Uh, let's go into this land that I would like to give you if you guys are able to overcome it. No, he says, which I am giving to you. God is referring to a promise that is over a thousand years old. He's referring to something that he spoke to a man that is... Uh, Father, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, and all the way down the line to a man named Abraham. When God makes a promise, he keeps a promise. Amen? His word is faithful and true. He is uh, powerful enough, and he will perform the promises that he makes. You just have to wait him out. Amen? which I am giving to the children of Israel. And I like that. I mean, we think of children of Israel, and when we think of Israel, uh, you know, how many of you are thinking about the nation of Israel when you say Israel? But he's saying children of Israel. Well, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. See, when God makes a promise to one generation, it carries all the way across the descendants. So now these people are entitled to a promise that was made to many great-great-great-grandfathers back. And he's still holding that promise because of one man held all the way down to the descendants, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So, so Moses sent from sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them, men who were uh, heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names. And it goes on and it lists their names. Now go down to verse 26. These 12 spies go into the land and then they come back with the report. These 12 spies are now coming back with the report. And in verse 26, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation. 
and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. The 12 spies have gone into the land that has already been promised them, that already belongs to them because of God's word that is faithful and true. And now they are coming back with a report that is beginning to talk them out of what God has already given them. Now, I just want you to know that as we hear this story, uh, as we look at this, you're going to be thinking, man, what a bunch of idiots. I can't believe they did that. What a, you know, if God told me this was the land, then I, but you know what? There are things that God has promised us already through his word that we talk ourselves out of every now and then. Because we get to see what God has been showing us. And we find out that somebody else has possession of our stuff. And so we begin to, well, maybe that wasn't it. Oh, that, that, that couldn't have been the right house. It's out of our ballpark. No, that, that's not the right job. I mean, I, I don't have the right amount of schooling for that. God, God must have meant a different job. See, we do this all the time. Oh, well, I, I guess we weren't supposed to have kids because, you know, we're having so much trouble. Maybe he wants us to adopt. Maybe he wants us. No. God's promises are faithful and true, and they will come to pass. He's looking people that will hold him to his word. He's looking for people of faith. I'm going to tell you right now that your natural situation is never to be looked at to define God's promise. What you're going through today is never meant to sway you off of God's word. See, we're talking about the power of our confession. See, I want you to learn and to be able to operate in everything that God has promised you. I want you to receive everything that you know God has laid in your life. I know God has given me favor with that manager. I know that God has promised me that size house. I know that God has promised me that we can have this and we can have that. I know that. But the natural circumstances aren't lining up. So maybe it was, no, we have to learn to stay to God's word and then begin to speak his word. We said this last week that God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. Say that again. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as if God was speaking it himself. See, it's not about the person speaking it, it's about what's being said. But see, we, we're looking at the negative. We're looking at the outside. We're looking at what's showing right now. We're looking at our current circumstance and situation, and we're wondering why things aren't changing. I'm going to tell you right now, if you can change your mouth, you can change your life. 
We said this last week. If God can get a hold of your mouth, he can get a hold of your life. There are promises and blessings that God has for his people. God is a giver of life. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. God is not even capable of putting sickness on somebody. He's not even capable of bringing tragedy and hurt and pain to your life to teach you something or to continue to hold your trust and faith in him. He doesn't even contain the ability to do that. He's got blessings. He's got blessings for you. And the only reason he gives you a command is because he's got a blessing on the other side of it. He gave Moses a command here. Send 12 spies. Those 12 spies were not to come back with a negative report and talk themselves and the entire nation out of what God has already promised them. But let's take a look at what takes place. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people. Why do you have to quiet them? Because their words, Caleb knew, they're about to talk us out of entering into the very thing that God has already promised us. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report, a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies, is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, uh, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now let me show you the difference between the ten spies and Caleb. And eventually we'll see Joshua speak up as well. The ten spies decided to talk about what was currently happening. Caleb decided to talk about what was going to happen. See, this world loves to talk about things that are happening. Just turn on the news. The world loves crisis. The world loves the current event, what's happening right now. But God loves to look at what is currently happening and call it something different. God loves to do that. God loves to look at darkness and he loves to look at it and say, let there be light. In fact, if you look at that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it was utter chaos. God looked at chaos and commanded order. Your life may seem chaotic, but God has already commanded order. 
And now all he's waiting for us to do is get in line with what he said rather than staying in line with what's currently going on. We have 10 spies that are looking at the giants in front of them. And God is saying, yeah, I know that's what it looks like today. I want you to say something different to command it to be different. Because if you can change your mouth, you can change your life. Well, it doesn't stop with Numbers 13. Let's go on to chapter 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept all that night. You'll find that the crowd will love to go to the majority. Just the warning heat of advice. When you step out in faith, you might be the only one. Ask Noah. Ask Noah what it was like to build an ark for a hundred years and be the only one that really believed it was going to rain. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you something. God only needs one. Righteousness will stand all by itself. If you're a part of the crowd, and if you're saying what everybody else is saying around you, it might be time to take take notice of what's coming out of your mouth too, because if it's just agreeing with what's going on around you and what everybody else is saying, it might be time to step out and say, you know what, I'm going to command it to be different. I mean, we're called to be light in darkness. There's just going to be some things, I'm just going to tell you, as much as what we see in church today and, and, and where the church is going, where, you know, the church is adapting a lot of what's going on in the world. I'm just going to tell you, uh, his church, uh, it's just going to look different. We're, we're going to do different stuff than what the world does. We're going to have different favor. We're going to get finances differently than the, the way the world's going to do it. We don't need a bank or a credit card or a loan. You know what? God can just cause the money to show up if we'll just get in agreement with his word. The world is, is chasing, I mean, uh, you know, I've just recently taken up a job myself, and it's filled with people that are in their 30s that are still going to school, trying to get schooling for this. And I'm not saying schooling is bad at all, but if that's what you're chasing after, well, God's got a way to promote you. God's got a way to get you to the top. God's got a way to show you favor. And look, there's just some things that we're going to do as citizens of the kingdom of God that we're actually going to stand out. We're going to look different. It's not going to be in line with what everybody else is doing. And we've just got to accept that. We're of a different kingdom. We're of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're of a, a different system. When everyone's trying to seek out how they're going to get health care, I'm reminding myself that my health care has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on that cross. I'm of a different system. I'm of the kingdom of God. I'm not basing my life on what's seen because what is seen is temporary. What cannot be seen, that's eternal. That's what's real. That's what's permanent. That's what cannot change. You know what's never going to change? That Jesus took stripes on his back for every single sickness and disease I could ever try to come into my body. 
That will never change. This year you might have health care one way, and next year you might have it a different way, but you can, you can place trust in God's word, and it's never going to change. He said, my words will be forever. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can't make that statement about this government. You can't make that statement about your financial system. You can't make that statement about your health care. We can't say here and say, you know what, the government that we live in, it's the same yesterday, today. You can't make that statement. But I can go to the kingdom of God and say, it's never going to change. It's always going to be the same. And it's always going to show up and show out in my life as long as I allow it to. So God never speaks based upon what he sees. Let me show you what God does. God speaks to change what he sees. God never, you'll never find one time that God spoke to someone simply based upon what they had already done or were currently doing. I mean, there's times you'll read the Bible and you see people that God is picking and you're like, really, that guy? You want to give a burning bush to the guy, a burning bush to the guy that can't even talk right? He murdered a guy in Egypt. I mean, did you forget about that one, God? Is this really this is the best candidate to go in and deliver your people? He's going to go to a man named Jesse who's got eight sons. And the first one is, looks like royalty. And he just goes on down the line and tells Samuel, nope, not that one. Nope, that's not it. Nope, he's not the one. And gets to the last. He's not even in the room. You got another? Yeah, I mean, we got another one, the youngest one. He's out in the field tending sheep yeah that's the guy who would have known look the pharisees and sadducees they missed jesus because he didn't fit the mold of a messiah of a king of kings yet he was look at paul paul's running around murdering christians he said yep that's the one that i want to lead christianity he's the one and you're thinking god i I could have done a better job. No, because God doesn't go based on the outside. He doesn't look at the appearance. He goes by the heart. That's what God's looking at. So God never speaks about something based upon what he sees. He speaks to change what he sees. What you see cannot be allowed to change what you say. Let's say that again. What you see cannot be allowed to change what you say. The second you start speaking exactly what you see, you're not operating in faith anymore. You're just going based upon what the current natural circumstance is at that time. Fourteen verse... Two, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. 
when you get to a situation where your past looks better than your current, than your present, you'll never see the future. The Israelites have allowed the future that God has shown them to remind them of their past and desire that more than the future. That's not operating in faith. That's called operating in fear. That's called operating in doubt. Essentially what they're doing is they're saying, God, you're a liar. This isn't the land you laid out for us. We can't take this land. Caleb and Joshua, the only two spies here that stood on God's word, they spoke according to something that was disregarding their current situation. Now watch what happens to them. Let's keep going. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Now, I wish the next verse read, And the people were excited and began to rejoice with Joshua and Caleb. And they went in and took the land. But that's not what it says. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. It has gotten so bad that God is now showing up himself to resolve this situation. It has gotten so bad. Let's look at the picture real quick. This is what we have before us. These people are now so upset that they want to do two things. They want to get rid of Moses, get a new leader, and go back to Egypt. And they want to kill Joshua and Caleb. Just for believing what God already told them. Hey, I didn't say speaking in line with God's word isn't going to look crazy. I didn't say that. You'll look nuts. Maybe not to the point where someone wants to stone you, but you'll look crazy. Because God never is moved by what's currently going on. God is in the changing business. He wants to change this earth with heaven. God wants to change the seen realm with the unseen realm. And so we have two men that are standing up against 10 who have now gotten a million people to back them up. And these two men are standing on God's word. This land has been promised us. This land has been promised to our descendants. This land has been promised. It was promised to our forefathers. Therefore, we can possess it. Therefore, our children can possess it. If God said we can have it, we can have it. I don't care what's on the other side of that wall. I don't care what kind of giants are over there. 
I don't care what kind of mountains are over there. I don't care how big and bad the people are. So, I mean, apparently the Israelites were just planning to show up in Canaan. It was just going to be empty. Don't be surprised when there is something in what God has already promised you. And it's in there so you can whip it, destroy it, get rid of it, and then take it over. That's how God operates. So look at verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me? See, God took it personally. When you don't stand on God's word, he takes it personally. He's calling this a rebellion. See, there's denominations that'll tell you that it's humility. But I'm here to change that today because it's not humility. It's actually pride. It's actually pride on our part to say, no, God, no, you don't know my current situation. I I can't do that. That's pride. Because now you're placing yourself above God. Now you're telling God that he can't actually show up in your situation and cause something to happen. God never meant for you to do something that he's called you to do by yourself. He just needs you to get in line with his word, agree with it, speak it, and he's the one that performs it. He's the one that causes it to come to pass. God is looking for faith-filled people. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 17 real quick. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. It's talking about Abraham. In the presence of him who believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things to be not, to exist as though they did. God is looking for people to begin to speak his word into operation, and change what's currently in in operation. See, what we're saying is performing something. We talked about it last week. You can, uh, James chapter said that death, uh, well, Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. James said out of the same mouth comes blessings and out of the same mouth comes cursings. So what determines what comes out? What you put in. Abraham had to believe. Then he was able to call. And then what he called took place. You have to believe it in your heart. Speak it with your mouth. See, we don't have any doubt about this with salvation. If you believe in your heart and confess, confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. There's not very many of us that, you know, the devil, he'll obviously try to attack you in your mind, but we're usually pretty quick that, no, I said the prayer. The, the Bible said, say this prayer. I'm saved. I believed. I'm now a Christian. I'm now born again. But then when it comes to healing or finances or 
believing God for that house or that job, now all of a sudden we're, well, I don't know if it really happened. Why not? You believed it in your heart. You confessed it with your mouth, and it took place. See, when we speak, we're creating something. But the problem is, is you're creating something, whether it's good or bad. And then we get into the problem of talking ourselves out of what God has already promised. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 14, jump back over there. Verse 12, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might, you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them. Therefore, he killed them. In the wilderness, Moses is making it personal. You know why? Because God's word is just as good as God himself. And so he's reminding God, look, you've already spoken this stuff. And so if this, if you end up killing all these people off in the wilderness, they're going to say this about you. Because the way they see your word is how they see you. Moses is reminding God, your only as powerful as your word. And if you say you're going to do this and do something different, these other people are going to look and say, their God isn't as powerful as he proclaimed to be. Now Moses just stood in the gap. Moses just showed up and said, whoa, wait a minute. And Moses did that a lot. Moses was great about standing in the gap. Moses was great about showing up and saving some people's lives. And there were times where he couldn't. There were times where they just pushed too far and God had to do something. Why? Because they're in rebellion. See, when you don't act on God's word and apply God's word and speak God's word, God sees it as a rebellion. Even in the blessings, not just the the commands. If he says, no, I have promised you that, and you talk yourself out of what he's promised you, he sees it as rejecting him. He sees it as rejecting him, not just his word. And God never puts his word out there as optional. God never puts his word out there as, you know, if you feel like it, if it works out for you, if, it, if, it, if, you know, if you're agreeable with it. No, he says, this is my word. This is what I have for you. This is what I need you to do. God places a lot of value in his word. We need to place just as much value in his word. Verse 18, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy for giving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, According to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Now look at verse 20. 
Moses is asking God to pardon the people, forgive the people. Now look at verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to what? Your word. I think it was D.L. Moody that said, I don't believe God can do anything in the earth unless one pray. That's how valuable prayer and our communication is. Do you realize that the second you pray in line with God's word, God is obligated to move on your part? You mean I can tell God what to do? God is obligated to his word. It doesn't place you in control of God, but when you pray in line with God's word, when you're feeling sick or something's breaking down in your body and you go to his word and you bring him to remembrance of his word and say, now you said that by your stripes, by your son's stripes, I am healed. So now I claim that healing. He is obligated by your word to now show up in your life and bring that healing to you. Faith moves God. There is nothing else that will move God except faith. God is not moved by our situations and our circumstances. He's not waiting for it to get so bad that he has to step in. He wants to step in, but he's waiting for a man on the earth to speak his word that will enact his ability and his power. All resource, all blessing, all power is behind God's word. And it's behind your word when you speak in line with his word. Now, it's not behind your word if you're not speaking in line with his word. That's why we have to meditate on the word day and night. Then your way will be made prosperous and you will be successful. We're not given enough time to meditate on God's word, so we're not speaking God's word. Therefore, God's word isn't operating in our lives, and God is sitting in heaven with his hands tied behind his back, just waiting for you to get a hold of his word. Negativity breeds negativity. You notice that the ten spies, the second they started breeding negativity, or speaking negatively about the land, everyone joined in. You will always have to fight in your life to go against the grain. You will always have to fight in your life to stand out and say something different than what's, what everyone else is saying. You will always have to push against that. Joshua and Caleb had to push against it. And just to let you know, Joshua and Caleb got stuck in the 40-year runaround in the wilderness because the other 10 couldn't get in agreement with God's word. But when it came time, God honored the fact that these two men stood on his word against all else, and they went in the promised land. Nobody else from their generation went in. Joshua and Caleb are going in with everybody else's kids. Because they stood on God's word.
So you see here in verse 20 that the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. According to the fact that Moses spoke something that now enacted God's ability and God's power to show up. And it ended up not being well for the rest of these men. A plague showed up, killed off some of them. A few chapters later, another man decides to step up against Moses and God's anointed and the ground opens up and swallows them. It became a mess. In fact, if you keep reading a little further here in chapter 14, you'll find out that the whole reason why they were in the wilderness for 40 years was God said for every day that you went out and spied that land, I'm going to make you wander around one year. It took them 40 days and 40 nights to go through that land and spy it out and come back with a report. And he said, you're going to be stuck. You realize this is at the beginning. I know we get, you know, Genesis and then Exodus is when they come out and then you have Leviticus and Numbers, but this is at the beginning. They should have been able to enter in here within two weeks. I just got done reading a book uh, from a man that uh, flew over that area. And he was amazed at how short of a trip it was when he could see it from the air to get from Egypt to Canaan. He said it was ridiculous. Just walking would have taken them 11 days. 40 days of wandering around. It didn't take them 40 years to get there. It took them 11 days to get there, and then they just hung out for 40 years waiting to actually go in. I'm telling you right now, as God's people, it's time for us to stop waiting outside to get into the blessings that God's called us. If we would just get our mouth in line with what God has already said, we can begin to see those blessings take place in our lives. This confession thing, uh, you know, it, it, it requires a very great adamancy about watching and protecting and guarding what's coming out of our mouths. But I'm going to tell you right now, as we talked about last week, it starts with watching and guarding what's going in to your spirit. We have to be on guard. We have to be on guard. What's in your spirit is revealed by your mouth. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. If you're speaking a lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of doubt, a lot of I don't know, then I know you haven't been in this. Because you've got a different source. Something else is feeding that. And then those same people are wondering why they are never at peace. Those same people are wondering why they don't have a great faith life. Those same people are wondering, and it's because you are creating your world. The soundtrack for your life is being played day in and day out, right out of your own mouth, and you haven't even realized it. It's time to change the soundtrack. It's time, it's time, it's time to take out that CD and put in a new one that is going to create a different expectation, just like we opened up with. When you change the music, a different expectation shows up. Now you begin to expect something different. See, faith people expect something different. Faith people look at a mess and they say, no, nah, it's going to be all right. Faith people look at disorder and chaos and say, 
that, that's going to look, that's going to be orderly. That's going to be very functional. Faith people can look at a bank account that's in the red and say, we're going to make it. We're going to be able to do everything we need to do. Why? Because they have a different expectation. Because everything they're speaking is faith. Everything they're speaking is in line with what God has already said. See, the enemy knows just as much as God does the power of your words. And so he knows if I can feed them enough junk, then they're going to produce enough junk and they're going to create enough junk. But God says if you can get life in you, then you'll be able to speak life out of you and then you'll create a new life, a new world that's in line with his kingdom. And everybody else will look around you and they'll say, how did you get this? How did you do that? How did you get this thing? My words, I created it. I spoke it into existence. You realize your words are the most creative things on the face of this planet? I mean, man is creating all kinds of things today. You know, I'm a big uh, tech guy, and, and yesterday I watched the little Apple news conference thing where they're talking about the new phones and everything, and it's amazing to see what man is doing with their bare hands today. And the brains that God has given them to design. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing that man can create with their bare hands that will ever surpass what you can create with your mouth. You can create opportunities for your life with your mouth that you can never work hard enough to get. You can create a a financial flow that you can never, never be able to do with your own hands. You can create favor that you can never do by, by, by trying to work up under someone and try to develop that on your own. Just by speaking in line with God's words. God's word is just as powerful in your mouth as it is in his mouth. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, we have great value for your word. And when you value something, you give attention to it. So, Father, we give attention to your word, not just tonight, Father, but you said to meditate. That means not just once, not just hearing it one time. That means hearing it daily, living by it, living as if it were true, regardless of what we currently see, Father. Father, I thank you that tonight we begin to take a greater picture of what we are saying. Father, we want to speak your words. We don't want to look at a mess and just keep calling it a mess. We want to look at a mess and we want to call it what you see by faith. Father, you can't, and you can't operate in our lives. You, you, you can't even do anything in our lives until we speak in line with your word. So, Father, I thank you tonight, every person in here, that we will give a greater attention to what we're saying. Father, we'll give a greater attention to what you're saying and get our mouth in alignment with what you're saying. We want to say what you're saying. We want to know what you're saying. We, 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 we take our mouths and we bring them into subjection of the word of God. 
We're tired of giving our mouth to the junk. We're tired of giving our mouth to what's really happening. We're tired of giving our mouth to what everybody else is saying. Father, we want to give our mouth to what you're saying. And Father, I thank you that as we do that, we will see your kingdom come. We will see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you for every individual here, every family, every couple, every child. Father, I thank you that the sacrifice and the investment that has been made tonight, I thank you that you're going to meet that. That as we have laid down what we wanted to do and what we could have done tonight and came to hear your word, came to give attention to your word, Father, you are going to cause it to reap a great field, a great crop in our life. And Father, as we apply it and as we live by it, we will reap the harvest of the investment that was made tonight. We thank you for all that you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.